community. I'm your host, Georgia Dostal, and welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. Join me on this journey where we explore mindset, we talk about self-development, the transformative power of movement, we delve into nutrition, small business insights, goal setting, and of course, the profound impact of ballet, all while seeking that crucial balance within this beautiful art form. In each episode, you'll get an exclusive peek behind the curtain of my life, managing two thriving businesses, GC Dance for School Age Students and balanced ballerinas catering to the adult ballet community. Tune in as I bring you sometimes conversations with incredible guests, sometimes solo episodes, really just all aiming to inspire you to find that delicate balance between grit and grace. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Balanced Ballerinas Academy, offering in-person adult ballet classes and online courses. Check out the show notes for links to join our fantastic community or visit balancedballerinas.com for further information. Now, on the podcast today, let me introduce you to the Library Aesthetic Dance Media, your basically virtual sanctuary for all things dance, health, inspiration and community. TLA, for short, believes in the power of unity, where strength is found in our collective knowledge and shared experiences. And the platform really curates insights from the world's leading health practitioners, organisations, syllabi, brands and coaches, offering a comprehensive resource for not just teachers, but dancers and even just enthusiasts alike. In fact, yours truly is a featured content creator on the platform and you might see some of your favorite podcast episodes pop up on the site. I'm actually going to drop some exclusive content for the site that you won't see on this podcast or on my social media. You'll see it just on TLA and you'll have to listen to the end of this episode to find out what that will be. But Joseph Brown, he is my guest today. He's the brain behind TLA and he says that their goal is simple to leave you feeling uplifted, inspired, and more confident in yourself and the dance industry as a whole. Now, you may be familiar with Joseph's voice because he's been on the podcast before. If you head to episode number 37, wow, that is a long time ago, you can hear all about his illustrious career from Neighbours and Dance Academy to the Australian Ballet and Sydney Dance Company. It's Look, it's one of my favourite chats. I adore Joseph and I just always adore a conversation with him and I'm really excited to be part of TLA and share it with the BB community. It's basically the Netflix for dancers. (laughs) Enjoy this conversation. As always, let me know whether you enjoyed it. Just send me a message on socials. I love talking to people in the BB community and have a beautiful week. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Joseph. So nice to have you back here for round two. Oh, round two. Yes, it sounds like a boxing match. Bring it on. Yeah, it's um, a little bit of a different topic today, though. We are going to be talking all about the library aesthetic. Um, First of all, let's start off with, can you tell us the inspiration behind creating TLA, as it's being known as? Um, What motivated the the platform? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, I hope it's an interesting one for you, for those listening. Um, Basically, as I we may have covered in an earlier episode, I'm the Relations and Development Director. After having a long dance career, I've uh, then become the Relations and Development Director for MDM Dancewear. Um, for those of you listening that don't know about MDM Dancewear, basically we're a specialist footwear company that's based in Australia that was founded by Timothy Heathcote and Simone Goldsmith. And 
It has a special dance based support in the shoes. Now, I'm not trying to do an ad for MDM dancewear here, but the point is because of that special dance based support that goes into the footwear, we ended up connecting with a lot of physios and a lot of podiatrists to try to understand really what the dance based support was doing to get their perspectives on it so that we could learn more, maybe make adjustments, talk and really be able to talk about it well. Um, from having those connections and those relationships with the physios and podiatrists, we ended up going over to a thing called IADAMS. Now, for those not familiar, IADAMS is the International Association for Dance, Medicine and Science, and it's the largest organization for dance, medicine, science in the world. It's based in the US, and they do an annual conference somewhere in the world each year. And I think it was back in 2016, I think, or 2015 or 2017, I'm not sure which. Um, but we ended up going to the first one that we went to was in Houston. And that was quite mind-blowing because all of a sudden I was around all these people talking dance health, dance research, and I became, even after 30 years in dance myself, I became aware of how much inf new information there was that was happening in dance research and dance medicine and dance health. And, it, and, they, and they cover everything. They cover strength and conditioning. They cover nutrition, mind and wellness, technical training, uh, physiotherapy. They're covering everything at these conferences. And it really sort of blew me away. And But we spend most of our time, like 95% of our time, speaking with teachers and studios and dancers. And I just realized that there was this big disconnect between all of this research and dance health and it's just not getting down to the studios in about 80% of cases. Yeah. I would I would say, and I could be wrong, Georgia, I, I look, you know, it's a guesstimate, but I feel like there's definitely a subset, and they're probably your listeners, and there's a subset of people out there and studios out there and teachers out there that are really on the cutting edge. Like they're really keeping up to date and they're really keen. And then there's a another subset, a larger one. And like I said, I think it's probably the 80%. That they're kind of just it's a little bit sort of top down driven they're sort of doing what their teacher did before them and they're, they're getting some information but it's just a lot of it's just not filtering through and we thought and i guess we thought what can we do about this so we thought we're we think we're quite good at marketing and branding and storytelling and we thought well, what if you got a really good platform something that people people feel is familiar like a Netflix or a Stan or a Disney or whatever, sort of a streaming service platform that's not too text-driven, that's more visual, that's more playful, that makes you want to explore um, and find things, and then put that together with Dance Health, and that hadn't been done before. Like there's lots of people out there, like your Lisa Howes, your Sally Harrison's, your Zach Jones, um, Jennifer Milner, Marie Walton Mann from PBT. There's lots of people out there doing their own websites. But they're not collated. No, and they're doing amazing work, incredible work. And then there's fantastic work on Instagram and TikTok and Twitch and, you know, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all dispersed. What if you could bring it all together into one platform, make it really affordable, hopefully easy to navigate. And that was kind of the genesis for it. Mm.
Yeah. I remember um, I used to, like as a young dancer, I used to buy Dance Train magazine and Dance Australia. And like when, then I sort of graduated to the online magazine versions um, when they sort of, you know, disappeared. I don't know. Do they still even have them anymore? I think they, they do. They yeah, do in yeah. some places. Yeah. Um, they're hard to find. I remember even yeah. back then I had to order them specially from my newsagent and they'd be like, Georgia, your magazine's here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I used to love and gravitate towards the pages that were like eight stretches for improving your split mm. or, you know, like, and this would just be one centerfold with eight simple stretches. What you're talking about is a library and a catalog full of like information and that on like just steroids. How does a, cause I think, and I, and I, the reason why I wanted to also have this chat today was because when I go in the library aesthetic, I don't want people to think that this is just for dance teachers or people who are in the profession. Like it is very much built for the student. So how do you envision the library aesthetic sort of contributing to a student's um, health and well-being? Like what do they do when they go on the site? Yeah, I guess. I guess it's sort of in a way I keep thinking of it a little bit like Netflix. I imagine people are going to gravitate to the site and about 50% of the content on there is complimentary and public access. So anyone can just go onto the site and just access about 50% of the content. Mm -hmm. Then there's about 50% that is subscription based that you would have to pay $5.99 per month, US $5.99 per month, which isn't very much to be able to access that $75 a year to be able to access. And there are literally there's almost a thousand pieces of content on there. And so our carousels, instead of the carousels being, you know, Hollywood movies, Hollywood blockbusters, documentaries, comedies, our carousels are physiotherapy, strength and conditioning, nutrition, mind and wellness. And I imagine that dancers will, and even teachers in my mind, and you know, this is yet to be, we'll find out, won't we? But in my mind, I imagine they will come to the site wanting something specific. Just like I might go on a Saturday night thinking, oh, just going to watch an action blockbuster tonight and grab a glass of wine and kick back and relax. But hopefully they'll come wanting something specific. You know, maybe they've got hamstring injuries or they've got bone density issues or something to do with eating and nutrition or they want some technical tips. That's what they'll come for. But then they'll just sort of fall in love with the carousels and wanting to play and explore and different things pop up. And we just want them to get more excited about dance health. Um, and dance well-being, because at the end of the day, this body that we have is the only body that we're going to have. It's our tool of trade. And to know it and understand it and to respect it, um, really, I think just it becomes much more enjoyable. I found that over time. I think most of us do over time. Um, we, we learn because you learn over time what changes in the body. And you kind of always wish you knew that 10 years before or 20 years before. And so we're hoping we'll get more people that get involved in that conversation. It doesn't have to be a big conversation. You know, at the end of the day, the love and the passion and the feeling and moving to music and your friends, that's always going to be the biggest part of the conversation. But if we can get 10% or, you know, 5% of people more interested in dance health, I think that would, that would really change our industry quite a lot. I find a lot of my students find the topic of dance health or body conditioning activities and tools incredibly overwhelming. Mm. And I think what this does is it kind of collates it and puts it into like a very bite-sized, easy to digest experience. Um, 
just that is from a teacher's point of view, that is my biggest thing, you know, with with my students. They just get confused about, mm. well, I want to improve my turnout, but, you know, this person's saying this and this person's saying that and and I don't have an actual program to follow. Is there going to be like like essentially sort of courses or more like mini series or like how, say, let's take that, say someone wanted to improve their turnout. What would they do? What would they do when they go on the library aesthetic? I would go up to the search bar and put in the word turnout or rotation, mm -hmm. improving rotation or writing, improving turnout, because the search bar will instantly sort of generate whatever topics that are in there, whether it's a podcast or an article or a video or an interview, it will instantly generate everything that we have in there based on rotation or turnout. So that would be the first thing. There are definitely series. We have about 24 different series in there. Some of them are just like two-part series, three-part series. Some are 15-part series. We've got this series for everyone in there already, and we've only just getting started. We're only a month and a half old. So try to imagine that in 12 months' time or two years' time. Ho hopefully it's going to be really exciting. Look, it's an interesting thing you just mentioned, though. I just want to touch on something you said because you said overwhelming. Mm. And I guess... I guess this could be overwhelming. I guess it's kind of like when you go onto Netflix or Disney right now, you can spend a half an hour just going through oh searching, God. trying I to find something. So and that can be really that. overwhelming. It can be really frustrating sometimes. And I don't think we can necessarily um, completely stop that happening. I guess what I would say is that I, I don't want people to be overwhelmed by how much content there is on there. I want them to know one thing, that we're trying to source content that is reliable and credible. That's why we've teamed with um, the RAD, uh, Royal Academy of Dance. That's why we've teamed with IADAMS, International Association for Dance, Medicine and Science. I'll just say it again. Um, that's why we've teamed with Acrobatic Arts. Um, the, it's really important to have these and, you know, the, the individuals that we have on there as well have been sourced in very credible, reliable ways. So we're not just sort of letting anyone go on there. It's not sort of a free for all. So there is a sort of a vetting process that happens and it's mostly by those organizations sort of helping us and giving us a sort of a guiding hand. Uh, that's really important because you because you. <laughs> you want that because you want it to be reliable. You want the information yeah. you're getting to be really good information. Um, some of it's just because we've known people for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years uh, because we've been in the industry that long. And that's part of it. So I don't want people to be overwhelmed, but you're always going to get somebody who says this about rotation, then someone says that about rotation. I would caution people not to be looking for a single answer. I would caution them, say, it's okay to have a bit of a debate. It's okay to have sort of two different things. Try them both out and see what works for you. Because yes. it's an exploration at the end of the day. You have to have an explorer's mindset. And, you know, that sort of journey of discovery that is the most exciting thing not i'm looking for one thing that's the right answer i think it's not a maths exam you know try to get out of that uh way of thinking if you can and just go hey let me try that and see if that works for me okay that's interesting these are the changes i felt that's what i experienced now i'm going to try this one that's interesting and that might lead you to a third thing or something of your own that you find yeah i love that I, I do love, Joseph, that you're always up for a debate and you always remind me that there's so many different ways to look at something. As before we yeah. even started recording, we were talking about a completely unrelated topic <laughs> to dance. Um, and you always remind me that there are so many different ways. And I mean, 
it's interesting and you, you kind of just answered it like that students will say well there's so much so much information about turnout what is the correct way mm. and I guess the correct way is whatever works for you and this gives them the opportunity to explore many different ways it's how yeah. I always, it's like how I always say to people I might not be the adult ballet teacher for you mm. you know I don't suit all just because I specialize in adult ballet doesn't mean that I suit all adult ballet students um you have to find who and what works for you so it's Absolutely. a good It can be a tone. It can be a voice. It can be just the way they move around the room. It can be the what they say, whether they're talking more about energy or they're talking about more about technique, whether it feels like it's more artistic and musically driven or it's more analytical. We're all going to have something that we gravitate more than others. I think it's good to, to not dismiss someone just because they're not ideal for you as well. I think it's really good to try them on and work out, okay, why don't I like that? Or why do I like it? Um, and even sometimes pushing through that if you don't like it, to try to find a way to think because it forces you to have to adapt as the student, as the learner, rather than just going, no, I'm only looking for the person who teaches me the way I want to be taught. Hang on a second. The teacher can adapt, but so can the learner, so can the student. So it's both ways and it's so it's constantly moving and it's constantly giving and receiving and adapting i think that's where we want to be as sort of teachers and students and hopefully the library aesthetic helps that that's all yes it's alive which is yeah. the best way that content should be um i was going to ask in what ways does tla have planned to foster like a sense of community amongst its users are there any um are there any ways that you're going to encourage maybe interaction or engagement on the platform? Yeah. So eventually, I mean, we're, we, we keep saying that we're in a stage one build. You know, the vision is quite vast, but the vision is also quite expensive. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, you know what I'm saying. So unfortunately, yeah. that's probably going to be a level in, of investment that we need at some point down the track. Um, hopefully it won't be too far away because we do have a sort of a stage two and stage three builds. Uh I'm reticent to say how much I give give away too much of that vision. But yes, in short, there are plans down the track to be able to create more of a sense of community on the platform as well, to be able to have more sort of interaction with, uh, with the content. You talked about courses, courses versus series. Um, that's definitely something where in a course, you it's definitely much more interactive versus just a series that you're watching. So yes, things like that. Love it. Um, I was going to ask you in regards to the, you know, not necessarily the cost, but the mammoth task behind creating such a platform. Personally, mm. how has that been for you? <laughs> um, just uh, in, <laughs> that should give you some idea, the yeah. fact that I just bumbled and stumbled over my last sentence. Uh, look, the last six months in particular have been probably just crazy. I've just been working uh ridiculous it just felt like ridiculous hours it just it's become something particularly at the back end of last year when we were getting, getting going it just felt like i'd become upset maybe my family said it's, you seem to have become obsessive and we've lost you completely um but look i think the two years leading up to it you know tim simone and i just we started this vision and had this idea and this little plan and we ended up doing a prototype back in june 2020 22 uh, we built a prototype that we then took over to the iAdams conference in Limerick in Ireland. Um, and we showed basically the members of the board there and showed iAdams and said, look, this is what we'd like to do. And it was, uh, it was much, it was very basic. Um, it was beautiful, but it was very basic. And uh, 
just had a few content creators that had sort of given us some a uh, little bit of content just so we could move stuff around and show what it would do. And that was really exciting because they instantly saw what we were trying to do, that we were trying that they instantly understood the problems that we were trying to solve. And, we, you know, and there are three problems we always talk about trying to solve. One of them is friction, which I talked about earlier, just trying to bring everything into one place so people don't have to go to multiple areas, reliability, credibility, and just helping content providers to, because um, if you're a great content, like you're amazing, Georgia, you're an amazing content provider and you're an amazing teacher. Okay. But I try. <laughs> yeah. But you're also really good at marketing and branding. Okay. Not everybody is. That's not everybody's strong suit. And so there are content providers out there that, look, they're just, maybe they're not going to be fantastic on Instagram or TikTok or but Twitch. Or, incredible content. Incredible content, incredible knowledge, and just maybe getting it out there and knowing what colors to do and where to put it and where to pitch it and how to give that, you know, one line, a log line, that's not their thing. But yeah. don't think, and just because somebody is successful on Instagram, don't necessarily equate yes. that with being <laughs> the best knowledge and the best content either, because that can be a little bit of a trap. And it's a hard one to know, isn't it? It's like, how do you know if you're a young student or you're a young teacher? How do you know? Like I struggle and I've been around for, feels like forever. And so I think that's partly what we wanted to do as well. We just, we knew we had all these amazing content creators and we just went, God, if we could just help them a little bit, do, do what we do well, they do what they do well, have I Adams do what I Adams do well? Have you know RA do do what do so brands, syllabus, organizations, individuals, all of the stakeholders come together all to help dance health and dance well-being. We just thought, God, that sounds like it's a worthy purpose to try to try to get off the ground. Let's let's see. <laughs> Let's throw, let's throw a lot of money and a lot of time at it and see what yeah. happens. I keep saying it might just be a very, very nice community service project that we're doing. Very expensive, oh. time-consuming community service project. But look, I hope it works. I have faith that it will. But also, if you and this is what I always say to people that are always thinking of starting something because people, I don't know, for some reason, always feel comfortable telling me their business ideas. And I love that because I love giving them feedback or, or just discussing it. Um, and I always say, well, if you don't do it, you'll be wondering what if. So, yeah. you know, if you don't give it a go, but I have faith that TLA will live on for many years to come, um, especially because you've got such amazing um, people on board. So we've sp spoken about iAdams, and I'm glad that you explained what iAdams is because I think that a lot of listeners actually don't know of iAdams or don't know um, what it is because they've maybe heard it and gone, what's iAdams? Yeah. But RAD, how did you get the RAD on board? That is a big one. Um, yeah. How are they going to be involved moving forward? Yeah, so the RAD um, have been fantastic. I was lucky enough to meet uh, Tim Arthur, the, the new head of the RAD, when he came out to Australia oh, halfway through last year, maybe. Um, and so we started chatting. I, ba I basically showed him, We it was at a very, I mean, the website was at a still a very early stage, but we had started the build process. And I think we're only four or five weeks in, so it was pretty rudimentary. But I was lucky that he just resonated with it straight away. Like he honestly, I, I think he's got a fantastic vision, but he's got a fantastic sort of five-year vision of what he wants to do with the RAD at the moment. And I think I'm really excited to see how he's able to bring everybody on. And it seems like most people are really sort of understanding and sort of getting what he wants to do and 
uh, sort of on board with that. But he instantly resonated with um, the library aesthetic and saw what the potential could be. Um, he's very honest, very authentic, very straightforward when when he speaks with you. And so we just basically just chatted and said, this is what we want to do. We'd love to have the RAD involved. Um, we talked about, um, you know, potentially getting a lot of sort of back catalogue work that the RAD have produced for members, but now it kind of sits not doing too much and it doesn't sort of go anywhere because it's all just sort of great content, you know, great content, but it just sort of disappears into the ether and then nobody else sees it. So hopefully we can help them reach a wider market. Do you mean um, like one, the old, do you mean like the old syllabus work or? No, like... I'm talking about sort of more old content, like articles and videos and interviews oh, right, yeah. and things like that. Oh, things, yeah. that things that are going to inspire and motivate because there's an inspiration section and a motivation section on there. Those things are really important and articles that just help you get to know. We've got a whole history section on TLA where we're sort of, we've put, you take great choreographers, whether it's Yuri Kill Killian or even Graham Murphy from Australia, and you sort of, they each have their own pages. I think we've got about eight on there. I want about 30 eventually. Um, it's just time consuming. So there's a whole history section where you can get to know the history of dance. There's so much more we want to build. I love that. I love that so much. And I know that so many, especially adult ballerinas, are really into looking up performances. And, you know, because it's interesting, a lot of adult students come to ballet, obviously, as an adult and maybe didn't do it as a child. So they're hungry for that stuff. They just want to yeah. eat it all up. And so I love that TLA has that opportunity to go back through the archives. For me, I, I want it to do, I want it there because I want kids to get a little bit more interested in history. And the reason I want them to get more interested in history, because if you look at successful sports, there's a number of reasons successful sports are successful. And and dance, to be honest, can't emulate all of the things. But what it can do, what one of the things that they do really well is they take the champions that were in the sport and they become champions of the sport. And they talk about the people that inspired them, which then connects to them on field, which then connects to the people that are on field now that they're talking about. And then they talk about the people that are coming through that they're watching. So you get this beautiful, interesting generational arc. And so as a, as a, as a sports person, you get a humility of, because you get to see where you are in this huge sort of pantheon and arc, narrative arc. But it also gives you this sense of, continuity this sense of belonging this sense of that you're deeply embedded in something that's bigger than you sure. and, and longer that it's and and i think that's really exciting when it's done well and and when you start to touch into that and really feel like rather than i oh, it's just something that's happening right now and i think sometimes dance the if i was to be critical in any way i would say one of the things i don't think we do very well sometimes is we just over focus on the present and just the dancers now uh, and what they're doing and we miss that sort of history and but we have to know it ourselves you know the teachers etc and to be able to pass that on even if it's just little bits and getting them interested and you know not everyone's going to get into it yeah. but it'd be nice if more did so anyway we've got that on there so because we think that's important as well speaking of the the children i know um as a studio owner we run certificate courses so we've got our cert two three in dance and Oftentimes, um, we actually have to show them a performance and due to time restraints, usually these days it's a digital performance. Mm. And yeah. so I love that I'll be able to jump on TLA and show them the performance during class time on the platform or get them to sign up to the platform, <laughs> yeah. watch it at home. So yeah. that's super handy as, you know, a teacher of also school-age children as well. Yeah. 
And one of the other things I'll just say is when we started creating TLA, we originally thought, oh, yes, okay, we're creating it. Because, you know, as a business, you're thinking, where are your biggest markets? And you're thinking, okay, the US, North America, Canada, the US, you're thinking Europe, you're thinking um, the UK, you're thinking Australia and New Zealand to a lesser degree, just in terms of population size. So that's, you know, that sort of was our focus. But then we started talking to a, a lot of people around the world and sort of having conversations with physiotherapists and strength and conditioning coaches, et cetera. And they really opened our eyes to something that we completely missed. And if you go to somewhere like India, for instance, uh, there's a, a there's a massive, fast-growing um, interest in Western dance forms at the moment. They're all, just like there's a little bit of a pushback against classical dance in some places in, in, in the West, uh, just sort of generationally and sort of culturally is a little bit of pushback. There's a little bit of a pushback against classical Indian dance. And, you know, the new generation are wanting to define themselves, as every new generation does, sometimes in opposition or with something different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, you know, we've always had dance crazes come through that have, have done that. But so they're looking at Western dance forms. So there's a lot of Western dance, particularly classical ballet that's popping up in India at the moment. Um, I was talking to somebody in Colombia in South America, and they were saying something uh, similar. I was talking to someone in Africa, and they were telling me places in particular places in Africa that's happening. Then you've got areas of Southeast Asia, of course, that are just booming markets. Um, for classical dance and for Western dance forms. And we just thought, if we could get TLA there, make it really affordable, so don't make it too expensive, make it really affordable, then because even though you've got these fast-growing markets, you don't necessarily have all the resources and infrastructure in terms of teachers, in terms of physio, specific physiotherapists, specific nutrition, specific mind and wellness coaching, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe we can get it out to these places um, and it'll help them leapfrog forward and they can just go, oh, wow, suddenly I've got access, credible, reliable access to a whole bunch of great information all in one place. Yay. Yeah. So that's that's what we're hoping happens as well. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's interesting you say that because I think with my online courses, I sometimes get pushback about ballet shouldn't be taught online or body mm. conditioning shouldn't be taught online or these things should always be in person. And I think that's coming from a, a place of privilege because there's so many people that don't have access to a dance physiotherapist. Um, or a good dance physiotherapist. Or, or a good dance physiotherapist. Or the yeah. best dance physiotherapist. Exactly. Yeah. Or they don't even have access to a ballet class, let alone a yeah. good ballet class, let alone an adult ballet class, let alone an adult ballet class at the correct level. So yeah. it's really, you know, it just there's so many layers there. And so, you know, we're not just talking about like people um, how you were talking about in India, we're talking about, you know, someone might be on a farm out in rural Queensland and they ballet so much and it keeps them balanced and they just don't have the time to travel an hour and a half, two hours to the closest town to a, you know, little ballet class for four-year-olds, but they're 34, yeah. you know, like it's just, and so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, it's that, com it's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's very complex. It's quite nuanced. Sure, yeah. there's an ideal that we might all like to, you know, subscribe to and go yes that would be the ideal in person great great place great content great teacher etc cetera, etc cetera. but there are so many other possibilities here as well and we have to be open to those and and try to create access it's basically about just trying to create better access isn't it so that more people can get the information and can get better information easier so that's at their fingertips and they know what you know what they're watching and they can go oh yeah this is fantastic this is helping and that's the thing, you know, the internet, there are some evils, but there are, I think, overwhelmingly more positives. Mm. Um, 
But yeah. Finally, on a personal note, I wanted to ask what has been the re most rewarding sort of aspect of, even though you're like, blah, I don't know, it's all a bit of a blur mm -hmm. and I've just been working so hard, but, you know, what's been the re most rewarding part of creating and sort of managing this project? Um, that's a really, that's an interesting question. I haven't even sat down and thought, thought about that. I, I would just say that just the people that I'm getting to meet, yeah. uh, the connections I'm getting to, to make, um, those conversations I'm getting to have with people to find out there are so many people on the same, same wavelength that, that is going, yes, yes, yes. Dance health, dance, dancer wellbeing, you know, starting with the whole child, you know, right from the beginning, dance as a tool to, you know, develop just better, healthy humans, you know, just, we're just having great conversations. Like it, even before, like, even before we talk about TLA or I start doing my pitch about TLA to explain it to them, we end up just having fantastic conversations and going off onto tangents that just, I just come away with my mind blown, just going, oh, wow, that was fantastic. I'm just, so I just feel like I'm constantly growing because of that. And that always gets me excited. I always just, I love that, love that feeling. Yeah, it's probably similar to like when people ask me, like, why do you, after all these years, still do the podcast and what's like the most rewarding part? The most rewarding part is having like these connections and these conversations. And that's why I basically do it for free. It's not, I don't get paid yeah. to do the podcast. Um, and like, you know, just even yourself, like I love, I love our relationship, Joseph, and I love um, our connection within the dance community. And in regards to TLA. Me too, Georgia. Just so you know, <laughs> Joseph is praying to Georgia because you can't see him. <laughs> Hands clasped together. Uh, I know. And it's so true, though. If I didn't start the podcast, if I didn't start Balance Ballerinas, if I didn't put on that NDM shoe at, um, what was it? The Australian Dance Festival. Australian Dance Festival, yes, like, in the teacher's room. Yeah, and you were like, can I take a photo of your foot? And I was like, sure. Oh, yes. Um, you know, and then that started a conversation. And then a few years later, yeah. meeting in Sydney and like having a great chat with a podcast. Um, you know, I just, those kinds of connections really light me up. Um, yeah. I love it. And, but, you know, I, I view myself as a small fish in a very big dance pond. And I think what I love about TLA is that it's kind of helping also little fish like myself reach even more people. Yeah have a really good you know I've had a flick through the content providers that are on TLA and some of them are my friends some of the people that have been on the podcast before um a lot of those faces are very familiar a lot of them I've sat in their classrooms before and learned off them Lisa Howe Marie Walton like yeah. um they're just really special people and I feel mm. special to be part of that and part of that yeah. so thank you but no, I thank you so, um think it's really a great space to put us all together. Well, that's interesting you say that because I guess because you asked me a question a lot earlier that I didn't answer probably very well and you're talking about how we want to build community and this is yeah. partly how we want to build community. I guess right now what we're doing is we're building a community in the back end. It's not one that you necessarily see as an audience or as a subscriber, but yeah. in the back end, I feel like we are sort of building a little bit of a community and it's something I want to do more of. I would love to have multiple um of our sort of content providers like Lisa and Marie and Sally and Zach and Jennifer all get together. I know. A, I and and we just have a TLA conference. <laughs> exactly. And have a conference where you guys and you, and you all come in, you get together and maybe there's three or four people on a, and it's, it's a podcast, it's a video, it's a piece of content. We just have something that we talk about and then everybody talks about it from their perspective or maybe it's a debate and we say well hang on a second you've been having this perspective over here and you've been having this one they're slightly different can we talk about that i would love to start building that a little bit at some point 
Um, I've already, and I haven't even discussed this with you, but I thought I'd just let you know on the pod. Um, I personally was trying to think about, because we were talking about exclusive content and what can I provide on the platform exclusively so that, you know, they can't get it on my Instagram. They can't get it on the podcast. And I think one of the most, and it's so funny, one of the most popular episodes I have ever done, and it's not even an episode. It was a, um, uh, a meditation specifically for dancers. And I had teachers all over the world using it in their classrooms. And I had um, school age students playing it before, you know, going on stage to perform or, and it got, it's been played so many times. It's ridiculous. And I really, I keep being asked um, by all these teachers and students to do some fresh ones um, because they're so, well, they're not sick of, but they're like, let's get a fresh one. Cause I've listened to this one so many times. I was going to put together just a couple of meditations specifically for dancers and specifically for different times, like before class or before a competition or before a audition that they can listen to. Cause that was a big part of my um, preparation. When I was a young student, I would do before I even knew it was called meditation before mm. I even knew it was called visualization, everyone would, would be side stage practicing, you know, their dance and I would be sitting on a chair nice and quietly, mm. my headphones in, nothing playing, but going through the dance and visualizing it in my head. Mm. And so I thought what I could create for TLA was just an exclusive sort of little package of meditations that they can take away with them, if that's okay. I, I absolutely love that. I'm desperate to have that on the because I was looking and there's nothing the like that on there. Exactly. So and I I've been asking for it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to have something come on like that. But at the end of the day, you need, again, I don't, you need three or four different voices on there because. Definitely. Someone might um, find my voice annoying. <laughs> no, it's just everyone has a, I don't know, you just resonate in different ways. Somebody might want, you know, Georgia on Monday and somebody else on Tuesday and like different feelings you just want different feelings that yeah. just sort of bring out something new in you um you can't even explain why sometimes but that's it's really important it's like putting on a different piece of music and you all of a sudden it brings out a different way of moving mm -hmm. in you as a dancer you know a classical you do classical to this piece like you're doing your plies every day to this piece of music and then someone comes in a new teacher and just puts on they don't say anything different they just put on a different piece of music that you've never done a plie to before that a style that you've never done a plie to before and you feel the floor differently you feel the connection of the portabride differently and you're going what is that and it's just you connecting differently and that's why you've got to try all those things and have all those different voices it's so important because you just keeps opening up like a flower it just keeps revealing to you who you are and what's inside you yeah definitely well that was my idea because I did a flick through right. and I'm like, there's nothing really on there like that and that's my little gift to TLA I'll do that and um and I also I also said to myself because I always do this if I am thinking about something if I say it publicly whether it's on Instagram or on the podcast like this now I have to do it so I will get them done I love that <laughs> you know I love me, that. if I make that's very Arnold Schwarzenegger you know Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do that really yeah, he used to go in, there was a blackboard in his early gym back in Austria and he used to go in and he was going to write, he used to write what he was going to do on the blackboard yeah. Yeah, so. before the thing so that everyone looked at it and went, whoa, really? Yeah. And then he, and now he set himself publicly to have to do it. It's so, true though. He had, so he had to lift, he had to lift because he's now put it out there. Yep. It's <laughs> true it. though. And, and you know what, it does actually work. I mean, I remember when I was umming and ahhing about the idea of doing my trip to Kilimanjaro mm. and, um, 
going to visit our sponsor ballet students in Africa. And I was toying with the idea and I was out hiking one day and my hiking partner, Uncle Mike goes, put it on social media and it'll just happen. Like you won't have a choice. And I literally went home that day, put it on social media. was like, this is what I'm going to do. And everyone was like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, well, I can't back down now. No, they're going to hold you accountable. No matter what, you know, uh, hoops I needed to jump through, I made it happen. So I'll have that done for you, Joseph. I've got homework to do. But thank you so much for um, coming on the pod again for another round. And I'm sure this isn't the last time. (laughs) Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) 